You know me, I'm generally pretty down to earth with my takes, but even I like to get a little bit wild sometimes, so try this one on for size. Armando Baycott, your 2024 National Player of the Year. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? It's Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. Just three short months until Valentine's Day. No clue why we're going there, but that's where my brain just took us. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only North Carolina show out there that's coming at you five days a week. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you, everydayers, for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listener watch to get your Tar Heels content every day. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. Coming up on the show today, we're going to look at Carolina officially announcing their 2024 basketball class, the three guys that have signed. You love to see it as well as then taking a look at, all right, so what's next? Where do we go from here? But before we get there, I legitimately want to talk about Armando Baycott as national player of the year. We're going to start there. By the way, if you'd like to come get in on conversations like this and others, come join the Locked on Tar Heels Discord. It's great conversation all the time. We're texting. We're, you know, in there in community all day long. Come join us. The link is in the show notes. It was, it's a surprise to no one. Armando Baycott was named the ACC Player of the Week last week for his two great performances in uh, Carolina's first two games. But I want to go bigger. He was also named, the on Monday, was named the Lute Olsen National Player of the Week for those same two performances. But my question today, and what I want to dream about and overreact to, was what if that wasn't just a week one honor? What if it's a bigger thing than that? Now, hear me say this right off the top. It's early. I know that. I get it. I hear you saying, Isaac, why on earth would you be talking about that right now? Because it's fun. And sometimes it's just a like overreacting is what makes sports worth doing. So here I am and here we are doing it. I mean, I remember last year after two games, I was like, Drake May. Drake May in the Heisman conversation. And sure, he didn't win it, but I I was about five weeks early on it, but it's fun to just overreact sometimes. So do it with me, won't you? I feel like that sounded like Chandler Bing. Ah, rest in peace, Chandler Bing. Man, (laughs) hi, I'm Chandler. Could I be wearing any more clothes? My favorite Chandler Bing line of all time. All right, overreact with me. Here we go. This time last year, After two games, Armando Baycott had not yet recorded a double-double. That didn't happen until game four of last season. You remember that? I remember going through that being like, Armando's coming off this season where he had 31 double-doubles and went wacky, and he hasn't gotten one in the first three games. Like, what's happening? Well, let me give you the rundown of where he was at statistically through two games each of the past three seasons, his sophomore, junior, and Armando's sophomore year. After two games, he was averaging 12 points, six and a half rebounds, and had zero double-doubles. 
uh, two seasons ago, the year where Carolina went to the national championship game. Through two games, Mondo stepping up just a little bit, 15 points, eight rebounds, and one double-double. By the way, it was only shooting 50% from the free throw line in those first two games. Last year, through two games, averaging 22 points, so big step, 12, 15, 22, and seven and a half rebounds, and was shooting a little bit better from the stripe, 60.9%, but again, didn't have any double-doubles yet. This year, through two games, Armando Baycott is averaging a ridiculous 23 and a half points, 16 and a half rebounds, has a double-double in both games, and is shooting 91.7%, 11 of 12 from the free throw line. Like, get that through your minds. I'm trying to get it through mine. That through two games, Armando Baycott is averaging a dub-dub that's over 20 points and 15 rebounds by a good margin. That is bonkers, I tell you right now. This is going to be his, like, you know, everything normal, no injury. This is going to be his third straight season averaging a double-double. Again, that's unheard of. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Currently, as of the time of this recording, he is leading the nation in rebounds per game. Not the Power Six conferences, not the ACC. The entire nation, all 361 teams, Armando Baycott has the highest rebounding average in the entirety of Division I. He's currently tied for 19th in points per game. A leader of that, by the way, is Tucker DeVries of, of Drake who uh, coaches son, an absolute dude. He he legitimately could take home the leading score in the nation. Um, he's only played one game, but dropped 36. Ridiculous stuff. But as for Armando, he's 19th overall, but he's fifth among Power Six Conference players. I mean, what are, what are we doing? Ridiculous stuff. And, and if Armando is going to shoot better from the free throw line this year, forget about it. Now, he's not going to stay at 91.7%. That, I mean, that's just ludicrous to think about. But if he's never averaged 70% from the free throw line in a season, if he could even just get into the 70s, that would be massive. Would love to see him do it. So here's the thing. If you watched or listened to last week's show when Coach Rob and I were together. One of the things we talked about was red light or green light Armando Baycott at 95 career double doubles. That's lofty. I greenlit it because I, I just think that not only is he going to do it, um, like have a lot of double doubles, but the Carolina is going to go further this year and that he'll ultimately get there. But one of the things that Coach Rob talked about, and I think there's a lot of legitimacy to this, is that Armando won't have as many double doubles this year because of the play around him. The guys are going to be better. And in, in real time, I very much agree with that. But something I thought about later after that was, yeah, I hear that. But also, there have been instances in even recent, pretty recent Carolina history where somebody has had gaudy numbers like this, but others have feasted as well. Here's an example for you from another National Player of the Year season. 2007-8 season, Tyler Hansbrough's National Player of the Year season, he had 22.6 points per game. Do you remember that? Ridiculous. And 10.2 rebounds per game. So same as RJ, or excuse me, same as Armando, averaging a double-double. And yet, despite Tyler's 22 points a game, 
Wayne Ellington had 16.6. That would lead the team most years. Ty Lawson had 12.2. Danny Green had 11.5. And Deion Thompson had 8.4 points per game. And yet Tyler had 22.6. And as for the rebounds, remember this is in an era where Carolina was playing with two bigs. Armando can gobble up as many as you want. I remember a play from Sunday where uh, I think it was Paxson Wojcik dared, dared to go up with Armando for a rebound. Nice try, Paxson. That was cute. Just keep your bandage on covering your stitches, right? Um, So I say all this to say, Mondo can feast in terms of points per game, and RJ can still do the same as well. They can both get that. And in terms of the rebounds, who, like, yeah, Harrison Ingram, he's going to have a lot of rebounds. Um, Looks like Zayden High is going to be gobbling up a bunch as well. But nobody's going to contend with Armando for the the lion's share of either of those things. So there's no reason to think that production is going to fall off. If anything, yes, the competition will get stiffer, but he's going to play more minutes. Sunday, he played 25. Armando is going up. Now, how realistic is it then to think of Armando as the national player of the year? I would say very. Yeah, I'm calling this an overreaction, but there is legitimacy to this. Let me give you six quick points. Number one, if he's going to do it, Carolina has to win a lot because typically it's not only somebody that's a statistical monster, but who is also on one of the very best teams in the country. North Carolina has the talent to do it, but they got to do it. Number two, he's got to stay healthy. I already said that. Um, He's in the best shape of his career, you know, did a lot this offseason to get ready for it. There's the the urgency of it's my last year. So I think in, in that respect, you love it. Thirdly, others have to shoot well. Huh? Why does that factor? Well, do you remember last year? Defenses just sagged down on Armando and gave him no room to operate because nobody's going to burn him from outside. Hopefully this year, it seems like the right guys are in place. I know Sunday wasn't a great representation of that. Um, and the second half of even the Radford game. But if other guys are shooting at the level they're capable of, and if Harrison Ingram continues to stay outside, Mondo's going to have all the room to operate he needs inside. So others got to shoot well for spacing. Number four, a reason I think this is realistic, is the more that Elliot Cadeau gets worked in to the rotation more minutes per game, the better news that is for Mondo. Why? Because he's going to feed him in the right way at the right time and in the right place to allow Mondo to do what he does best. Number five, Coach Davis is clearly and evidently dedicated to getting the ball to Mondo more than has happened, uh, more than happened last year. Um, and, and I think the guys are showing a willingness to do that as well because they know and trust that Mondo will kick the ball back out when needed. Um, so coach is going to continue to demand that Armando get touches. And I said it on yesterday's show. He needs to touch the ball on every possession, whether it's a shot or a pass out, Mondo needs to touch the ball. And then the sixth reason is the difference in Brady Manick and Pete Nance. And I just said it with Harrison Ingram, right? Um, with Harrison, more like more like Brady, we're going to see him um, out away from the rim. With Pete last year, it was a lot more of almost a more traditional big that's going to be clogging up Mondo's space. It's going to be clogging up rebounds. That's gone. Harrison will get some rebounds. He'll score, but he's going to do it in different ways than Pete. Um, more similar to Brady. He's not the shooter that Brady is, clearly, but from a from a outside-the-lane standpoint, he very much is. So 
I think this is a, a, a realistic thing. Um, I think Zach Eady's numbers, the reigning national player of the year, will come down a little bit because the players around him are better and are going to eat into that production for him. But here's the thing with Armando. At the very least, keeping his production where it is right now, first-team All-American is on the table at an extremely, extremely um, viable way. One thing that's interesting, Ken Palm keeps a, a page on his website with player of the year standings per kind of his metrics and stuff. Currently, following Tuesday or Monday night's action, Zach Eady's at the top of the list. Vlad Golden from FAU is second. And then Mondo is third on the list, followed by Kyle Filipowski, Hunter Dickinson, Jaden Ladeef from San Diego State, Tyson Walker from Michigan State, um, Tucker DeVries, who we just talked about, Trey Alexander from Creighton, and Wade Taylor the fourth from Texas A&M. And so, I mean, this Mondo, like y- you see it already, the possibilities are very much there. So Armando Baycott, your 2024 National Player of the Year. I want to hear your thoughts. Am I crazy? Am I a little bit sane and a little bit crazy? I want to know where you're at on this. And what's cool is not only would Armando winning this award give him a, a jersey in the rafters, like an honor jersey, when you get National Player of the Year, um, like from one of the main six reputable sources, you get a retired jersey. That's the level we're talking about here. So I'd love to see it. Armando Baycott, let's get after it. All right. Joining the Tar Heels next year after Armando has to leave, they're going to kick him out. No more eligibility is a great three-man 2024 class. I want to get you to know them a little better, who they are, how ready they are, and what they're going to do. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Jace Medical. Look, we spend a lot of time talking together, you and I do. We get fired up on wins, on losses, who's playing, who's not, all of that. And I'm thankful for that connection. And today I want our chat to be a little more personal. Whether you're on extended travel or you're bracing for a major weather event or limited by yet another supply chain shortage, you, my friends, are covered. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical, life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications can be ordered in a one-year supply. Even ED generics for Cialis and Viagra, you can get prescriptions for those. So go online right now to jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code locked on at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace. I'm thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut my pills in half. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply and the antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. These prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. So if you or someone you know would get some peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily med, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use promo code locked on for $20 off your purchase. Again, that's locked on for $20 off your purchase at Jace Medical. All right. On Monday, Carolina officially announced the signing of all three members of the 2024 class. There's a little consternation over the weekend because there were there was no word about Ian Jackson. And it's like, oh, my goodness, is he going to flip people losing their minds a little bit? But all is good. Ian Jackson is signed along with James Brown and Drake Powell. Remember, this class also initially included Elliot Cadeau, but obviously he reclassified and is already playing for the Tar Heels this year. Let's go through these guys um, a little bit individually, but before we do that, I just want to say something non-basketball related about them. 
I don't know if, how, how close of tabs you've kept on all three of these guys, but just because of them being committed to Carolina, I've just looked in and, and watched and investigated a little more. Um, they just seem like good dudes. They they all have megawatt smiles on their faces. I love it. Like they just already feel like Carolina family. And you, you just, you read about them, you read about the families that they're part of. And it's like, yeah, this is us. This is good people. And that's who Hubert Davis is going to go and get. And so you, you expect that, but still, it's just nice to see it and know it and be like, yes, come to our university. So they're going to make great additions absolutely on the basketball front, but even more so as the young men that they are and the men that they're developing into. So this is great. But one by one, James Brown, originally from Aurora, Illinois, um, but playing um, this year at Link Academy down in Branson, Missouri, about an hour and a half south of me, where Elliot Cadeau was last year. They would have been playing together if Elliot hadn't reclassed. Pretty cool. A couple qualities specifically that Coach Davis mentioned that he really likes in James Brown is that he can finish with both hands. And I know you might think like, well, okay, cool. Don't take that for granted. That's a big deal. Right-handed players who can't finish with their left, you can just sit on that right and force them left. Like that, that is easy. Same, the flip, a left-handed player who can't finish with the right, just sit on that left hand, force them right. James Brown's ability to do that already, that's a win. Um, I also, uh, Coach talked about how he can step out and shoot threes. That's that's what you need from bigs in this day and age. I'm still waiting on that Jalen Washington first one that we've been hearing so much about. But he also describes James as an elite rebounder, an elite shot blocker, and a versatile defender. All of that is what James Brown gets. He's a little bit more development than these other two guys, but ultimately someone that the coaching staff believes can help Carolina, so they're bringing him in. Ian Jackson from the Bronx, a New York guard. You love to see it. He plays at our savior Lutheran uh, from coach Davis talks about that. He is the epitome of a New York guard. He's tough. He's competitive. He's got plays with a chip on his shoulder. Um, and, and this kind of almost juxtaposition within him. He's a walking bucket. He can do it with the ball in his hands off the ball in transition. It doesn't matter. Ian Jackson's there, but at the same time, also loves to pass, get teammates involved, and, and do the entire gamut of that, whether it's scoring or passing, distributing, whatever it is, Ian Jackson's there for it. He's also great on defense and is uber competitive. I'm so, I, I just, I see him as potentially one of these guys, kind of like a Cormac Ryan that like, Ian just looks like a nice guy, but man, he'll get after you. I, I'm kind of hopeful that he'll bring some of that um, with him. And then thirdly, Drake Powell, the local kid, Pittsburgh, North Carolina, playing at Northwood High School. Interestingly with him, when Coach Davis talks about him, the first words of his out of his mouth are about his mentality and, and the teammate that he is. Quote, he's a team first mentality and wants to learn and improve every day. Really interesting that that's where Coach Davis starts with him. It kind of sounds like something you would say about miscongeniality, but in this case, it, it's not just, oh, he's nice. Um, but no, it's like, dude, Drake's a great kid and is an absolute stud. Currently the highest ranked of these three young men. Elite length, athleticism on the wing. He can dominate on both sides of the court, offense and defense. You need that. I mean, we've seen it with 
um, on, on the perimeter in particular with Carolina just allowing a lot of clean looks at a three um, on Sunday. And like, so guards who can, you know, you just think about Leaky shutting those kind of things. I mean, gosh, Leaky got a block on the perimeter on Sunday for the Hornets. So those kind of things, right? That's what we're talking about. So I think Drake Powell is going to bring so much on both sides of the court. Obviously, we know that his defense was first. The offensive game is catching up and it's just somebody to be really excited about. So as I said, Ian and Drake right now project to be the two of the group that are ready to step in and contribute pretty immediately. A little bit less so on James, um, but he's going to have, you know, going to be able to learn from Jalen Washington. Sounds like there's some some good similarities there. And so hopefully he can learn. And obviously, you know, the guys coming back like right. Tyler Zeller has been around so much and, and helping the bigs right now. Rankings as a class um, at the at the different spots. ESPN doesn't really have much on this year's on the 24 class, but. At uh, on three, Carolina's class is second behind Duke. Obviously, once they got Cooper Flag jumped up, and then at both two, four, seven, and rivals, Carolina's class is third behind Duke, and then Missouri. I don't know if you've seen that, but Missouri's twenty-four class is really, really good, and they're in the running right now against Kentucky for somebody else too. So crazy stuff there. Individually, Drake is ranked fourth, eighth, ninth, and twelfth at the four major recruiting sites. Um, Ian is ninth, 10th at two of them, and then 17th. And I mean, there's two of the sites where the, where Drake and Ian are back to back within the top 10, really cool rivals. Drake's eight, Ian's ninth at on three Drake's ninth, Ian's 10th. So you love to see, um, how close these guys are in what people think about them. As for James, again, he's a little bit lower. He is 63rd, 68th, 70th, and 91st at those four sites. So, um, great. Um, I'm going to say building blocks, and I feel like that's going to undermine their level of capability. But with what Carolina already has, um, with what they'll be bringing in likely in the transfer portal, I think this is just great building blocks for what Carolina can continue to grow. Whether these guys are one and dones, at least with the, with the top two with Ian and Drake, or around for a couple years, can't wait to see on that. Well, speaking of which... Where do we go from here? We've got this 24 class signed, sealed, delivered. What's next? Where do the Tar Heels go from here to fill out next year's roster? Oh, you know we're going to talk about that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. It's why you want to be 100% certain you got access to the best qualified candidates available. It's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's really easy to create a free job post. You just put it together and then add that job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word out that you are hiring. And then after that, you can use simple tools like screening questions to help make it easy to focus on the candidates who have just the right skill set and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and then ultimately hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the quality candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college to find those qualified candidates just for you. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. What else do we need? 
we've got these 24 guys, the three of them, we know they're coming in. So the logical next question is, awesome, that's great. But who else is going to be part of the roster? Well, a couple things to be aware of. We will have to replace Armando Baycott. He cannot stick around anymore. The NCAA will shove him off to the next thing. But also, you might be thinking, uh, Isaac, we might be losing our backcourt. Like, RJ's a senior. He does have COVID eligibility, but a likelihood that he's probably gone. Elliot Cadeau, who knows? You know, he himself has talked about a potential two-year plan, but we'll have to wait and see. You know what I mean? Um, we'll see what, how this year goes and, and what all goes on. And then I know a bunch of us are probably asking the question, all right, and we saw the mass exodus last year, right? Every, nobody forgets about that. Is that a potential? Maybe so. Also, didn't we leave three scholarships on the table this year? So is coach going to give those out or what's that going to look like? Well, all of these are valid questions. Let's, let's talk about it. Carolina has given out 11 scholarships this year of the 14 that they could. I believe that that's going to be more the norm now, not just for the Tar Heels, but across the board, because the, the scholarship level players realize, hey, I can go somewhere else and play. And it's just a different era. Like there, there are still people who are committed and want to be in, even if they're not getting playing time immediately. But there's just this willingness of guys to go where the playing time's available. And so they're going to do that. And so you're going to see coaches not utilize all 14 scholarships. So I, I don't think that Carolina will. And, and let's go here next. All things being normal, unless just something out of the blue kind of happens. I do not believe we'll see Carolina pursue any more high school players in the class of 2024. Now, of course, that would be barring like a 2025 commit who would eventually commit to Carolina. Let's say Koa Pete, who was on campus this past weekend, commits to Carolina and then ultimately reclassifies to 24. Okay, that might happen. Or maybe somebody pops up late, like Johnny Furphy that from Australia that ultimately committed to Kansas this year. Something like that. Sure, it could happen. But all things being standard and typical, I don't see Carolina bringing in any more high school players from the class of 24. Um, thinking to next year's roster, there are three players of the 11 scholarship players who will have exhausted eligibility. Not only Armando Baycott, but also Cormac Ryan and Paxson Wojcik. So that brings you down to eight that could return right there out of the gate. Um, the backcourt, RJ can come back. Elliot can come back. Seth Trimble can come back. He's got two more years. So there's three. The other five of those that can return are Harrison Ingram. He's got a year left. He could come back for his senior year next year. Uh, Zayden High is obviously a freshman right now. He's got three more years of eligibility. Jalen Washington's a sophomore. So both he and Seth have two more years after this year. Jalen Withers has one more year he could utilize next year, similar to RJ. And James Oconquo has another year of eligibility as well. So. Carolina ostensibly could bring back eight of the 11. If so, you might look to fill a spot out of the transfer portal or something like that, but you got 11 dudes at that point. But here's the thing. Where do we go next? You got to look at a couple things. With all due respect to Jalen Washington and James Oconquo, there is no Armando Baycott on this current roster. 
outside of Armando Baycott. There is no Armando Baycott on next year's roster, I should say. I firmly, and there's not one out there lurking in the 24 class either. I firmly expect Carolina to dive into the transfer portal to find somebody to fill Armando's shoes. I'm not saying that Jalen Washington couldn't be the starter next year. I doubt James Aconquo would be, um, unless there's just this massive wild development this year. Um, so Jalen Washington could be, but Carolina really needs somebody just with that Mondo body makeup, right? Like a, a person like that, that has the experience and high level capacity. So probably just somebody that you bring in for a year, maybe two that could do that. Um, another thing I would expect is that if RJ and Elliot both leave, you got to look in the portal for somebody to replace them. Um, you know, I, I think Seth is a phenomenal guard, really athletic, but he doesn't have the shooting. And um, at least as of yet, hasn't shown the the readiness to fully lead the team. I mean, love Sunday. Three assists, zero turnovers, great. Let's keep replicating that, and then maybe we'll talk. But if both RJ and Elliott are gone, and maybe even if just one of them are gone, I think Carolina will definitely dip into the transfer portal at, at the five and at the one and or two. Um, May, depending on who all does stay, Carolina might be set at, at you know kind of the the small forward and power forward position. So we'll watch all that. But that's how I'm looking at things right now. Carolina to me is done in the high school ranks, but will likely dip dip into the transfer portal for um, Mondo's replacement and any RJ and Elliott replacements necessary. If they both come back, you love it. But we'll wait and see on all of that. So that's where I'm at. I'd love to hear your thoughts on where Carolina turns next. Do you agree with me? You disagree? Let me know. Let us know in the comments. Friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Thanks for dreaming with me. Isn't it fun to overreact? Just be okay with it. Embrace it. Why not? Let people laugh at you if they want to. We're over here building our dreams. You love it. Um, you can email the show LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Come join our Discord. Again, it's a blast. It's growing every day, and you don't want to miss out on that great conversation. Don't forget to subscribe on video and audio formats. Love it. We're just on this trajectory towards 7,000 YouTube subscribers right now. Crazy stuff. Love it. Smash the like button so we know you're here, and again, love to hear your comments. Hey, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Be right back with you tomorrow with Coach Pat Kilby. But until then, peace. Peace.